motivation, and why it's useless. At some point in your life, you've probably said something along the lines of, I wish I was more motivated to do X. In fact, if you bought this book, you probably came here seeking motivation. You're probably expecting a fiery speech that will get you off your ass and get you to work. Fortunately, you're not going to get that, and I'm going to explain exactly why that's a good thing. First, I want you to understand the nature of motivation. Notice that every time someone talks about motivation, they speak about it in very temporary terms. Yeah, I haven't been motivated to exercise recently. I was motivated to quit smoking at some point, but not anymore. Both of the sentences above imply that the motivation existed at some point, but does not exist anymore. This reveals the fundamental nature of motivation. Motivation is flimsy. It comes and goes on a whim. One day you'll wake up motivated, the next day you won't. This is why I want you to think of motivation as an emotion. Sometimes you feel happy, sometimes you feel sad, and sometimes you feel motivated. All these emotions come and go, just like motivation. You'll experience them for a while, and then they'll slowly fade away for a while before coming back. Makes sense so far, right? Now, I want you to picture the most disciplined person you could possibly think of. Do you think they are motivated 24-7? Do you think they never have off days? Of course not. That's ridiculous. Michael Jordan had days where he didn't feel like playing basketball. Mike Tyson had days where he didn't feel like boxing. Elon Musk had days where he didn't feel like building Tesla. Yet they kept showing up every single day. No breaks, no days off, nothing. Let's take Mike Tyson's routine as an example. Wake up at 4 a.m., 3 to 5 mile jog, sparring for 10 to 12 rounds, various calisthenic exercises until lunchtime, push-ups, dips, sit-ups, shrugs, and neck work, lunch, six rounds of sparring and other supplementary work, more calisthenics, shadow boxing focused on one specific technique, more calisthenics, dinner, exercise bike to cool down, study fights or training footage until bedtime. That's basically 16 hours straight of working towards his goal of being the best heavyweight boxer in the world. And this was all before he got rich and famous. Most people can't even get themselves to do one hour of exercise a day, which begs the question, what do these guys know that we don't? The truth is, motivation doesn't work. I'm going to teach you how to cultivate discipline instead. Ironclad discipline. In this course, you will find a broad overview of strategies employed by highly successful people to relentlessly pursue their goals day after day, just like Mike. In the second half of the course, you will find various exercises at the end of each chapter. You see, I want you to think of discipline as a muscle. When you start, it's going to be extremely weak. You're going to fail at the most basic activities. That's okay. As long as you keep practicing and training that muscle, it's going to get bigger and stronger over time. That is what the exercises are for. They serve as your baseline of training. These are the basic push-ups, pull-ups, and squats for your disciplined muscles. Follow these exercises, apply what's in here for the next 30 days. Once you've mastered the basics, you have the freedom of developing your own program suited towards your goals. Do your due diligence, and I guarantee you, your life will be unrecognizable a month from now. Let's dive in.
2. Discipline versus Motivation We know that guys like Mike Tyson are extremely disciplined. I mean, his routine speaks for itself. He's able to spend day in and day out working towards his goal relentlessly, with no days off and barely any rest. But like many words, discipline is one that's thrown around a lot without ever being properly defined. So what is discipline? The definition we're going to work with. Discipline is a lifestyle constructed to serve the best interests of the individual. In other words, discipline is the process of structuring your day-to-day activities in line with what's best for yourself. This may sound complicated, but it's really not. For example, a disciplined bodybuilder structures his entire life around bodybuilding. He wakes up extra early to get to the gym in order to avoid the crowd hogging the equipment. He spends every Sunday meal prepping for the week to ensure he gets adequate nutrition. He avoids unhealthy lifestyle choices like smoking or drinking because they interfere with his goals. There are two key things to observe here. One, there is a clear goal in mind. The bodybuilder wants to build the most amount of muscle while carrying the least amount of fat possible. Two, daily life is structured around that goal. Although very tempting, the bodybuilder will refuse to binge on fast food because it doesn't fit his eating schedule. So, if we break down the concept of discipline at its core, the only two things we need are a goal and a plan. Let's take another example, this time a non-physical one. Let's imagine somebody wants to become fluent in a foreign language from scratch, like Spanish. A disciplined language learner structures his life around developing this new skill. He labels common household items with their Spanish names. He sets aside one to two hours every morning to practice grammar and vocabulary. Instead of spending leisure time consuming English media, he makes an effort to consume everything in Spanish, including YouTube, Netflix, etc., in order to immerse himself in the language. Again, we have a goal and a plan. 1. There is a clear goal in mind. The Spanish learner wants to become as fluent in Spanish as possible in the least amount of time. 2. Daily life is structured around that goal. Household items are labeled in order to learn vocabulary. Media is consumed in the target language. Life is structured in a way that the learner is immersed in Spanish as often as possible. I could end the book right here, and you'd be very disappointed. You're thinking, okay, we may know how to do it, but how exactly do we get ourselves to do it? If motivation doesn't work, what else is there? Indeed, it's a bit more complicated than just doing it. When you bought this course, I'm sure you had a goal in mind. Maybe you want to lose fat. Maybe you want to build muscle. Maybe you want to quit smoking. Maybe you want to stop procrastinating your college homework. I don't know what your goal is but I know you have a goal. If you don't have one, come up with one and write it down. Some possible questions to think about when choosing your goal. What is something that you're struggling with? What is missing from your life? What have you always wanted to do, but never got to doing? Where do you want to be one, five, or ten years from now? Who do you look up to? Why do you look up to them? What qualities or skills do they possess that you admire? 
Meditate on these questions and you'll find there will be a common theme that you can narrow down on. One step. One, identifying a goal is taken care of. What about step two? Structuring your life around that goal. This is, without a doubt, the most difficult step. What if I told you you were already very disciplined in some aspects of your life? You brush your teeth every day. You will absolutely refuse to go to bed at night or leave the house in the morning until you have. You shower regularly. Maybe not every day, but you continue to do so in regular intervals to remain clean and presentable. You wash your clothes regularly. You make sure to do the laundry when you run out of clean clothes. From this point of view, you are extremely disciplined at keeping yourself clean. One, you have a clear goal in mind. You want to remain clean and presentable for the people in your life. Two, everything else in your life is structured around that goal. You won't go out on a Saturday night without showering and putting on a set of clean clothes. But that's ridiculous, you might say. Nobody would ever call that discipline. Those are just things I have to do. Exactly. Those are just things you have to do. Drill this sentence into your head. Nobody ever says, I'm extremely disciplined for brushing my teeth every night. Nobody ever says, I lacked the motivation to brush my teeth yesterday. Everybody just does it because it doesn't make sense not to do it. This is exactly the mindset I want you to adopt towards your goals. Pick a goal, assemble a daily routine that propels you towards that goal, and convince yourself that the routine is non-negotiable. You've done it with brushing your teeth. You've done it with showering. You are capable of doing it with your goal as well. You will begin to work out every other day, not because you're motivated, but because it's simply something you have to do in order to build muscle. You will eat healthy foods and count your calories, not because you watched a fiery, motivational David Goggins video yesterday, but because it's something you have to do in order to lose weight. You will quit smoking, not because everyone in your life is bugging you to quit, but because you have to not smoke in order to live a healthy life. How, then, do we make our goals urgent enough to be non-negotiable parts of our daily routine? Summary. The key to discipline is creating habits, not emotions. You need to structure your life in a way that pursuing your goal is a non-negotiable part of your day. Just like brushing your teeth, motivation will last you a week. Habits will last you forever. Three, urgency and strategies to cultivate it. Everything discussed so far ties in closely with the concept of urgency. Let's say you're a smoker, and by some miracle, you knew that if you continued smoking, you'd get lung cancer tomorrow. You'd quit immediately, right? Similarly, if you have a poor diet, and somehow you knew that if you continued, you'd weigh 400 pounds tomorrow, you'd immediately start eating healthy. This is where our minds play a little trick on us. Things that are guaranteed to happen. We know smoking will eventually kill us. We know fast food is demolishing our health. We know exercise is how we're going to get in shape. But simply having knowledge of the fact doesn't push us towards doing something about it. The best motivator is having a sense of urgency. 
Getting lung cancer in 50 years doesn't scare you because 50 years seems like an eternity. Being obese in a few years doesn't scare you because it feels too far away to be a concern right now. But the closer these threats are, the more inclined you are to take action. Someone who's coughing up blood after a long time smoking is more likely to quit than a young and healthy teenager on his third cigarette ever. Someone who's 50 pounds overweight and is starting to have health problems is more likely to stop eating McDonald's every day than a slim person who's putting on weight very slowly. If you think about it, it doesn't even make any sense. We understand rationally that continuing with these habits will produce horrible outcomes in the future. But we justify it emotionally by telling ourselves nonsense like, oh, I'll start later, or I don't have the motivation right now. The sad reality is we always have the option to start later until the day we're on our deathbed. Every smoker with lung cancer wishes they quit when they were 20. On the other hand, every 20-year-old smoker would scoff if you told them that. Funny how that works, isn't it? I want you, my dear reader, to frame your self-improvement as an urgent, life-or-death situation that you have to take care of at this very moment. Most of us aren't capable of doing this ourselves. So I want you to take out a piece of paper. I'm not kidding. Get up and do this right now. I want you to draw a table with two columns, each one labeled benefits and drawbacks. You are going to identify an action, and this is instrumental in achieving your goal. If you want to quit something, the action is the behavior you want to quit. If you want to build muscle, the action is going to the gym. If you want to improve your dating life, the action is approaching women. If you want to become a more educated person, the action is reading and studying. If you want to learn a skill, the action is practicing said skill, etc. Whatever the action is, write it at the top of the page. Take your time with this list. Do your research. Google benefits and or drawbacks of your chosen activity or lack thereof. Come up with some of your own. On the following pages, you will find two examples. These are both things that I personally have struggled with and conquered in the past. Smoking. Benefits. Feels good. Looks cool. It's debatable. Drawbacks. Expensive. Smells bad. Leading cause in cancer, heart disease, lung disease, stroke, diabetes, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, tuberculosis, various eye diseases, etc. Waste of time and money. Working out. Benefits. Increase testosterone. Improve confidence. Improve cognitive ability. Increase bone density. Better posture. Better aging. Opportunity to make connections with other like-minded people. Strength to do things I couldn't do before, like move furniture or open pickle jars. Drawbacks. I don't feel like it. Takes up three to six hours of my week that I could spend on Netflix instead. Take your time with it. You can even make it funny. Whatever you choose, once you begin writing, you'll start to realize how ridiculous it is not to pursue your goal. If it's something you want to quit, chances are the only upsides are going to be things like it feels good. If it's something you want to start doing, chances are the only downsides are going to be I don't feel like it. Fundamentally, the only thing holding you back is comfort. The reason you are living in your current life is because you're too comfortable with it. 
sitting on your couch watching TV and eating junk food all day feels good. Smoking cigarettes feels good. Watching porn instead of getting rejected by women feels good. These things do nothing more for you. They just feel good, and that's it. The more astute reader will observe that there is a fundamental difference between these two tables. Smoking is something you want to quit because there are more drawbacks than benefits. Going to the gym is something you want to start because there are more benefits than drawbacks. The first requires what I like to call negative discipline. The second requires what I like to call positive discipline. Although both are forms of discipline, the strategies we employ to tackle each one are fundamentally different. Four, what is negative discipline? Negative discipline is having the discipline to not do something, hence the term negative. For example, a recovering drug addict who's been clean for two years has developed a very strong sense of negative discipline. I'm going to share some strategies with you that can help you develop this. I'm also starting with negative discipline because it's a lot simpler. In the sense that not doing something seems easier than doing something. With the men I've worked with, I've noticed that letting go of bad habits is a lot easier than developing good ones. In a sense, getting rid of your bad habits can be considered your base for self-improvement. Once you cut out all the bad things, it's a lot easier to start implementing the good because you're not longer burdened by the things holding you back. I'm also starting with it because some strategies in the chapter on positive discipline will apply here as well. So it's a good idea to have exposure to these strategies first. The first strategy is to remember the drawbacks of the thing you want to quit. Remember the list you made earlier? Keep that on you at all times. Fold it up and put it in your wallet or jacket pocket. If you're at home, make a copy and tape it somewhere accessible in the room you spend the most time in. Wanting to relapse is a very emotional decision. Reading the negative effects of something you want to do can help bring you back down to earth and think in logical terms. This is going to be our strategy. Always refrain from emotions to logic. Emotions cloud judgment and sabotage progress. Logic remains constant and encourages progress. Burn the list of negative effects into your brain. You want to be equipped with logic at all times. You never know when your emotions might take over. Eventually, as you arm yourself with more information and your discipline muscle gets stronger, your knowledge will outweigh your desires. The second strategy is tapering. Tapering is exactly what it sounds like. You slowly reduce your consumption of the thing you're trying to quit until you stop doing it altogether. This is very effective in the same way that adding tiny amounts of weight each workout is effective training for your muscles. Small changes over time add up to one big result. For example, if you're quitting smoking, you can go from 20 cigarettes on day one, 19 cigarettes on day two, etc. You get the picture. I want to emphasize that this strategy does not work for everyone. You can try it, but if it doesn't work, I suggest you go cold turkey. Cut out the thing in question completely. With the smoking example, you are going from 20 cigarettes one day to zero the next. Please note that smoking is nothing more than an example. 
you could replace it with drinking, fast food, nail biting, or whatever else you're trying to quit. The advantage of this approach is that the withdrawal symptoms will hit immediately, but will only last a much shorter amount of time. With tapering, you are prolonging your withdrawal with the hopes that the changes will be too small to notice, especially when it comes to substances. Science shows that for most substances, once you go cold turkey, the physical withdrawal symptoms don't last longer than a week. As soon as the substance is completely absent from your body, your body is no longer dependent on it. After that, the addiction is quite literally all in your head. For example, the half-life of nicotine, the active drug in cigarettes, makes it so that the substance is absent from your body after about 72 hours of cold turkey. Therefore, you can think of quitting as not something that you have to suffer forever, which is a scary thought, but something that you only have to suffer for a few days. And anyone can do something for a few days, right? Having this knowledge is another example of reframing emotion into logic. Going cold turkey works very well for all-or-nothing types of people. I am one of those people. I used to be a pretty heavy smoker. What started with one cigarette every now and then became over a half a pack to a pack a day. What did I do to stop? I dove into medical literature. I started reading and listening to people's experiences online. I started to observe how it was interfering with my fitness goals. I understood how it would impact my longevity. Having all this information floating around in my head whenever I smoked started to make me feel physically sick of it. I got to the point where it was disgusting, and the only reason I kept doing it was to avoid withdrawals. At that point, I simply said, fuck it, threw away my last pack, and never smoked again. No motivational videos, no relapses, nothing. I just dropped it and never came back. If you're like me, I highly recommend this strategy for things like smoking, fast food, watching porn, or anything else you want to quit. The third strategy is accountability. Find a group of people who are trying to quit the same thing you're quitting and keep in touch with them on a regular basis. They can be real-life friends or an online community. doesn't matter. You just need to be part of a tribe that keeps you accountable. This is why programs like AA work so well. Having a community of people who are pursuing the same goal as you is very motivating. Understanding that you are not the only one in the world with your problems is extremely powerful. Not only do you have other people supporting you, but you also have other people to learn from. What strategies are they using to succeed on their journey? Not only that, but having an accountability group also instills the fear of social rejection from relapsing which is an extra drawback that will make you think twice before doing so. Accountability is not telling your friends and family you're doing something. Telling someone about your goals doesn't guarantee they'll offer you the support you need, even if they're close to you. You need people directly involved in your goals with you, not cheerleaders there to simply encourage you. Accountability works exactly the same way for positive discipline, which we will be talking about next. Five. What is positive discipline? Positive discipline is what most people think of when they hear the word discipline. It's the ability to show up every day and do something. 
It can be exercise, schoolwork, or building a business. Due to the nature of the difference between positive and negative discipline, there are slightly different strategies that we have to employ. Our first strategy is the I'll just do it once strategy. Let's say you have a plan to get in shape, but you're not feeling motivated to go to the gym. You've never been before, and it's very nerve-wracking to go into a new environment. All you have to tell yourself is, I'll just do it once. Tell yourself, go to the gym one time, do your workout, and then you never have to go again. This strategy works because it relieves you of the mental burden of thinking about all the future workouts you have to do. You just have to focus on this one. Everyone can go to the gym once. That's easy. And you'll go, you'll finish your workout, realize it wasn't that scary, feel amazing, and be more inclined to go the next time. Once you're aware of how good you feel from accomplishing something you said you do, you're going to start to want to do it. This is how highly disciplined people get addicted to their goals. It's not because the goal itself is fun. It's because they're chasing that feeling of achievement. The second, closely related strategy is momentum. Lots of small wins add up to a big win as a recurring theme here. If getting to the gym is particularly hard for you one day, break it down into very small steps. Step one, put your gym clothes in your bag. Step two, put your shoes on. Step three, walk to your car. Step four, drive to the gym. Step five, walk into the gym. Step six, do your workout. Just like the previous strategy, give yourself the option of bailing out at any time. Allow yourself the option of not going once you put your shoes on or turning back and going home once you've walked into the gym. The funny part about that, you're never going to do it. Once you get there, you're going to think to yourself, well, I've already gotten so far. I might as well go all the way now. These are just small ways you can trick your mind into doing something it doesn't feel like doing. The fourth strategy is ease of access. This one may sound obvious, but I've noticed that it's very overlooked with the men I work with. If your gym is a 45-minute drive away, there's almost no chance in hell you'll be able to get yourself to go every day. If you can manage to arrange your life in such a way that you have easy access to a gym the chances that you actually show up will go up astronomically. At risk of sounding like a broken record, I want to emphasize that the gym is merely an example. You can replace it with literally any skill you want to cultivate, whether it's learning a language, woodwork, a martial art, etc. Your goal is your goal. I'm not picking one for you. I'm just arming you with the toolbox you need to pursue it. If getting up and moving to another city isn't an option, and understandably so, there are tons of other things you could do. You could build a home gym or get a pull-up bar and learn some bodyweight routines. If you're wealthier and or more entrepreneurially minded, you could even open one yourself. The possibilities are endless. The point is that you have to make it easy for yourself, especially at the beginning. Doing the thing itself is already hard and you want to remove as many extra hurdles as you possibly can. This applies to negative discipline as well. If you're quitting smoking cold turkey, stop buying cigarettes. Throw out the ones you already have. Avoid people who smoke 
or any other environmental triggers. Do not tell yourself you will never smoke a cigarette again. Simply tell yourself that you won't smoke today. If you're quitting junk food, stop buying it as well. You're going to save money, and you'll find that it's pretty hard to eat junk food when you don't have any in the house. You get the picture. The fifth strategy is perspective. Keep in mind how good you feel after hitting the gym, how fulfilled you feel after spending a focused hour of studying a language, or learning to code, or building your business. Whatever your goal is, pursuing it will feel amazing. That's just how we're wired as human beings. The rush of endorphins, the amazing bump, the exhilarating feeling of being done with a monumental task. Imagine you could replicate that feeling every single day. How do you do that? Well, you have to keep showing up. A lot of things that are good for us, like going to the gym, are like drugs. They release pleasurable, feel-good chemicals in our brains. This is why being disciplined has a cascading effect on the rest of our lives. You achieve one small goal, and you feel good about it. It puts you in a better mood. You know what happens when you're in a good mood. You feel like doing things. You move on to the next goal, and the next. Before you know it, you've gotten everything done, and you enjoyed it. This functions a lot like productivity drugs, except this one is natural and good for you. The only reason discipline is not a popular drug is because there are a lot of extra steps needed to get the same effects. Once you understand this and recognize the benefits those extra steps give you, you will voluntarily choose to work hard. The takeaway. The activities you perform in order to achieve your goals are like a drug. The delivery system is showing up and putting in the work. Make a habit of getting high on life every single day. Another aspect of perspective is to keep in mind the person you want to be one, five, ten years from now. In a decade, you will be a ten-year-older version of yourself. Why not be you, ten years older, and also have an amazing body? Why not you, ten years older, but you also speak three languages? Why not you, ten years older, but with an amazing career and side hustle that rakes in six figures? We fantasize about ourselves being a certain way in the future, but we are not willing to put in the daily work that it takes. Having a clear image of where you want to end up makes it much easier to keep showing up, even on the days where you don't feel like it. Too many people expect everything in life to fall into their laps without any work. Their entire life passes them by in the blink of an eye, and they still have nothing. But that's not you, is it? By now. You may have realized that the only shortcut is to understand that there is no shortcut. Read that again, very carefully. Internalize the message. Everybody is trying to sell you on how to do something quick. Insane two-week weight loss program. Get rich with this secret method in just 90 days. It's all bullshit. The only secret is that there is no secret, and nobody is going to tell you that because hard work doesn't sell. The last strategy I want to present to you works for both types of discipline. This concept boils down to doing things for others. I like to call this martyrdom. Do you have parents, children, a significant other you care deeply about? Think about how your actions affect them, both in the short term or long term. To take our classic examples, imagine how your secondhand smoke is harming your loved one. How your time spent on smoke breaks could be spent with them instead. 
Think about how you are depriving them of your full lifespan by committing yourself to a habit that is everything but guaranteed to kill you at a young age. The same can be said for obesity. The health risks are well understood and well documented. You are depriving the people who love you of a full lifetime spent with you. You are depriving them of the strength, both physical and mental, that you develop from a consistent weightlifting regimen. Strength that you can then use to build a better life for them. If you choose not to take action, you are depriving your future sons and daughters of a positive role model that they will undoubtedly emulate as they grow older. Do you want them to look up to a strong, healthy, committed, inspiring leader or a fat, lazy, dull, unhealthy slob? If you're abusing a pornography, think about the love and intimacy you're depriving your current, future partner of. There are countless examples. A lot of times, doing things for others is easier than doing things for ourselves. Whatever goal you wrote down earlier, chances are it has a host of benefits that help not only you, but also the people around you. Burn them into your brain. The idea here is that if you're not able to sell yourself on doing something for yourself, do it for someone else. This ties in strongly with accountability, which we discussed earlier. If you develop an intimate connection with a group of accountability partners, relapsing and giving up on your new lifestyle changes will be devastating. Not only are you disappointing them and risking exile from the group, but you are also tempting them into going back to their old ways as well. You wouldn't want to ruin someone else's life, would you? Step up and be an inspiration to those around you. The most meaningful change in the world starts with yourselves. Six, the three pillars of ironclad discipline. We talk about a lot of different strategies to cultivate each type of discipline. These strategies are very direct, applicable, and they will help you once you implement them. But ultimately, discipline boils down to some very basic principles. When we talk about the word discipline in the real world, we rarely actually differentiate between what kind of discipline it is. In real life, we don't make distinctions between positive and negative discipline. When someone says discipline, we have a very strong image in our heads of what a disciplined person lifestyle looks like, regardless of what action they're disciplined in. Maybe we think of Mike Tyson training for a fight, or Michael Jordan working on his layups, or Elon Musk spending day and night working on Tesla. Maybe we think of a former alcoholic who now orders water at bars or an ex-smoker who hasn't had a drag of a cigarette in 12 years. Whatever the pursuit is, the principles behind their discipline remain the same. I've thought about it for a long time, and discipline essentially boils down to three things. I call them the three pillars of ironclad discipline. One, intention. Why am I doing it? Two, accountability. Who am I doing it with? Four, three, Accessibility. How am I going to make this easy for myself? I've listed these in order of importance, and why is by far the most important question you can ask yourself. The why. He who has a strong enough why can bear almost any how. Friedrich Nietzsche. Why am I doing this? Why do I want to quit smoking? Why do I want to start exercising? 
Why do I want to learn to code? Why do I want to learn this new language? The why is your foundation for everything. As soon as the foundation collapses, everything else falls apart. You can have the perfect routine, accessibility, accountability, and anything else we talked about. But if your why crumbles, it's over. Your why can't be flimsy and unstable. It has to be unmovable and unshakable. It has to be ironclad. Let's consider a few examples. Bob wants to quit smoking because his girlfriend doesn't like the smell of cigarettes. He really likes smoking, but he says, fine, whatever, I'll quit. He puts in his best effort and eventually manages to stay off of it for a few months. One day, his girlfriend suddenly breaks up with him, packs her bags, and leaves. Do you think Bob is going to stay disciplined? Hell no. He's buying another pack as soon as she's out the door. Another example. Joe is kind of overweight and doesn't have much success with women. He says, okay, enough is enough. I'm going to lose weight and get jacked. Once I get in good shape, then I'll finally get some attention from the ladies. He starts dieting, hitting the gym, and does everything right. In a couple of years, he trims off all the fat and packs on a decent bit of muscle. However, to Joe's dismay, he doesn't seem to be getting recognized anymore by women. I don't understand, he thinks to himself. I did everything I was supposed to do. I'm in good shape. Yet the only comments I get are from other guys. Joe never had a love for fitness. He didn't do it for the health or mental benefits. He didn't do it to live in a body that he's proud of. He did it to get girls and nothing else. Once he sees that girls don't give a shit about his new look, he gives up. Key point. As soon as your reason for doing something disappears, you're not going to keep doing it. I hope I've painted a clear enough picture with these examples. Your reason for wanting to achieve a goal should remain, even if you were stripped of all your belongings and thrown onto a desert island. Don't quit smoking because people in your life are pressuring you to. Quit smoking because you want to be able to run up a flight of stairs without being out of breath and live past 60. Don't get in shape to impress chicks. Get in shape because exercise makes you happy and you want to love the body you live in. Don't learn a language because it's a cool party trick that will get people's eyes on you. Learn a language because you personally love the sound of it, the culture, the people, etc. Your why has to be internal, not external. As corny as it sounds, your reason for doing something has to come from within. You're not the only variable you can depend on. If it comes from some external source, everything collapses once that source vanishes. You are the only person in the world you can 100% count on. It's okay if your initial intent is based on something external. I mean, everyone does it. Most jack guys started lifting to get girls, just like Joe did. However, you have to make a conscious effort to evolve your why into something more meaningful and personal to you. If you can imagine this, you have built a habit for life. Exercise. Write down why you want to pursue your goal. Make sure it has nothing to do with external validation from others. Make it a deep and personal reason that will last you forever. The more reasons you come up with, the better. Frame these on your wall or carry them in your wallet along with your list of benefits, drawbacks. The who. If you want to go fast, go alone. 
If you want to go far, go together. African Proverb. I touched briefly on accountability in chapters 4 and 5, and now we're going to take a deeper dive into why it's so important. Accountability is crucial in goal setting, which is why programs like AA are so effective. Humans are very tribal creatures, and you are no exception, even if you think you're a lone wolf or an introvert. A tribe differs from a society and its number of members. While a society can have millions of people in it, a tribe would rarely exceed more than 150 members. Why does this matter? In a tribe, everyone knows each other, and everyone knows everything about everyone. Where you went yesterday, who you're hanging out with, what you had for breakfast, etc. And what happens when you do something that displeases the other members? You face public shaming, social exclusion, and possibly even exile. As humans, we are very afraid of this happening. Being a member of a tribe is directly tied to our survival. If you're a lone wolf in the forest, you're toast. As a result, fear of rejection from the tribe is hardwired into your DNA. Why am I telling you all this? As humans, we like to gather around common goals or interests. The advantage here is that it's going to be very easy to find accountability partners or even just people directly related to your goal. A gym partner, a language exchange buddy, etc. The fact that you have internet access makes it even easier to find people who will push you towards your goal. Your task is to find a tribe surrounding your goal. It can be a Reddit forum, a Discord server, a Telegram channel, whatever. Find like-minded people with the same goal as you. Share your progress daily. Build and strengthen your tribe. Praise each other for your successes and keep each other accountable for when you go off the tracks. If you screw up, you risk shame and expulsion from your tribe. Your evolutionary ingrained fear of this happening will propel you forward. Even if you do fail, you'll have a support system of people to encourage you and catch you when you fall down. In some cases, it doesn't even have to be an accountability partner. It could just be someone that you pursue your goal with. When I started learning German, I wanted to practice speaking to other people. I went on the internet and found a few language exchange partners from Germany who wanted to practice their English. We'd have 50-50 conversations in German and in English, some by voice and others by text. At one point, I started losing my motivation for German for various reasons. I actually wanted to quit the language, but I couldn't. I had already met these amazing people across the ocean and built relationships with them. Abandoning the language meant abandoning these friendships, and that wasn't a trade I was willing to make. You need to find a way to structure your goal such that a piece of your life will fall apart if you stop pursuing it. In my case, abandoning my goal meant abandoning people I cared about. For you, it could be fear of disappointing someone, fear of losing friends, Fear of ruining someone else's routine. Anything. Maybe you promised to drive your friend to the gym four times a week. Now you have to show up. Because if you don't, you screwed up his plans as well as yours. Exercise. Find an accountability partner, group, of people related to your goal. And keep in touch with them as you progress on your journey. The how. Now that you have your reason and people to keep you accountable, it's time to start thinking about how you're going to do it. You need to build a plan, and your plan has to involve how you're going to structure your daily life around your goal. 
See Chapter 2. A big part of this is making it extremely easy for you to work on your goal. Let's take some examples to make this clear. There are two gyms in your city. One is a 30-minute drive away. The other is a 5-minute walk. The closer one costs $20 a month, more than the farther one. A lot of people will pick the one that's 30 minutes away to save money and have some peace. However, they don't realize that they're shooting themselves in the foot. Think of yourself day to day. Think of how you feel in this moment. Are you more likely to do a workout if you have to drive 30 minutes to get to the gym? Or if the gym is right next door? Sure, the first few days you'll be hyped and motivated to go. But after that original fire burns out, will you really have the energy to drive 30 minutes there and back every single time? Yes, you are spending $20 more, but at least you'll actually be using the membership you paid for. Heck, do home workouts if you have to. Build the habit of working out first, then move on to the more complicated stuff. You have to find a way to make your goals more accessible, and this will take sacrifices on your part. Remember, motivation is an emotion, and it comes and goes like the weather. You need your goal to be accessible enough that you'll be able to make it even on the days where your mood is in the dump. What about accessibility when you're trying to quit something? Let's take the smoking example. Are you more likely to smoke a cigarette if you have one in your pocket? Or if you have to run all the way to the store to get a new pack? If you've frequented forums about quitting smoking, drinking, marijuana, etc., you'll notice a very common theme among the stories there. Everyone who quit had a much easier time when they stopped buying the thing they're trying to quit. Pretty damn obvious, I know. But it's crazy how many people miss this step. I'm quitting junk food, they'll say with a huge unopened bag of Cheetos in the kitchen cupboard. If you're quitting something, get rid of every occurrence of it in your household. If it's something intangible, like quitting video games, porn, etc., find a way to limit your access to these things. There are browser add-ons that give you a five-minute delay every time you try to open a certain website. You can get a family member, a spouse, or even one of your accountability partners to password protect your phone, computer, and get them to only give you access at certain times of the day. These are all just examples. Small ideas to throw at you. It is up to you to find a clever way to do this in a way that pertains to your goal. The bottom line is, if you want it badly enough, you'll find a way. Summary. In the case of positive discipline, you have to remove obstacles between you and your goal. In the case of negative discipline, you have to add obstacles between you and the thing you're trying to quit. Seven, common pitfalls. Building a disciplined lifestyle isn't a smooth road. You're going to hit bumps along the way, and I'm here to prepare you for that. Let's discuss the most common pitfalls people fall for when pursuing their goals. One, stop telling people about your goals. Well, accountability partners are an exception. Of course, they need to know about your goal in order to keep you accountable. But your friends and family who aren't walking the path with you, they don't need to hear it. In fact, they don't even want to hear it. You don't need to blab about how you plan to have a two-plate bench by the end of the year, or you plan to quit X, or... You plan to make this much money doing that. Your friends and family frankly don't give a shit. 
and you're shooting yourself in the foot by shouting your goals from the rooftops. By telling them you're going to do something in the future, you receive shallow congratulations, validation, which makes you feel like you already accomplished your goal. Notice the language used. You're telling them your plan to do something. You didn't even do it. You want to impress someone? Keep your mouth shut, achieve something, and then brag to them. Bragging about things you haven't even done is the easiest way to not only ruin your credibility, but also to annoy people. I can come up with a thousand plans for what I'm going to achieve in the next month and tell you all of them. But given the time frame, I can only feasibly do two or three. This is very, very common amongst people who have big mouths, but don't do anything with their lives. Make sure this isn't you. By telling people what you're going to do and not producing results, you build a reputation for yourself as being a big mouth who has big dreams but never achieves anything. Become a doer, not a talker. 2. Stop overthinking and researching everything. This one really irks me because it's so damn common on the internet. You spend months formulating the perfect routine, and then what? Someone less intelligent than you started months ago and is already eclipsing you in terms of progress. If you're an overly neurotic person, you need to be especially careful with this one. You'll work on something for one to two months, see some results, and be happy with them. And then a voice in the back of your mind starts to whisper, What if what you're doing isn't optimal? It says, What if you could be doing more? You completely sabotage your routine and quit altogether because it's not perfect. I have news for you. It's not going to be perfect. Part of the journey is learning how to learn. As time goes by, you're going to learn more and more about the process of achieving your goal, and thus your method of pursuing your goal is going to get better and better. Quit panicking and simply enjoy the ride. Your time needs to be spent taking action towards your goal, not planning. My favorite example of this is prisoners. The Jack prisoner is a common stereotype and for good reason. Most prisoners are in good shape. They're very muscular and have physiques that most men who work out strive for. You know what they don't have? They don't have a gym. They don't sleep well. They eat a garbage diet. And they don't have access to the same resources we have to create the perfect, most optimal workout program. But they still get results. This should boggle the mind of every fitness nerd out there. Why do they achieve physiques that gym bros with the perfect everything dream of? Because they put in effort. Effort trumps all forms of planning, theorizing, and optimization. This applies to every single pursuit in life, not just fitness. Effort and consistency beats the world's most genius planning. That's why there are people dumber than you who are more successful than you. 3. Stop blaming things that are out of your control. I'm not naturally smart athletic, discipline, etc. Understand that while some of these things may be true, that's not why you're telling them to yourself. You're telling yourself these things because you want to find an excuse to not work hard. Most people truly don't want to do shit with their lives. And trust me, they'll find any excuse they can to get their hands on to justify doing nothing. We have a newborn, so I haven't had time to work out. Really? You could set aside 15 minutes every morning. This is a very common trap to fall into, so be careful. You are going to fail on your journey a lot. Every time you fail, your ego is going to try to protect itself by blaming something out of your control. Why does it do this? Simple, 
If you failed because of something out of your control, it's not your fault. Therefore, it's not your responsibility. But if you fail because of something that is in your control, then that makes you a failure. And being a failure hurts. Understand and get extremely comfortable with the idea that you are going to fail. Understand that your natural weaknesses aren't preventing you from achieving your goals. Your mindset and overinflated ego are. Remember your why. Do it for your who and stick to your how. If you don't fail, you are never going to succeed. That's just a harsh reality of things. There are no shortcuts. 4. Stop exchanging your health for convenience. Neglecting your health is the number one way to ensure you never achieve anything in life. Your hormones dictate a lot of what goes on in your mind and body. You want to keep them balanced. When a lot of people embark on their self-improvement journey, they'll get in this hustle-and-grind 24-7 mindset and start ignoring basic necessities. I'll list a few of the most important ones here. Sleep. Sleep is probably the most important habit ever. It's an opportunity for your mind and body to rest and rebuild themselves. Unfortunately, we live in a culture where it's cool and trendy to sacrifice sleep for XYZ. I want you to get this idea out of your head. Prioritize sleep over everything else. How many hours should I sleep? Go to sleep early and see when you naturally wake up without an alarm. That's how much sleep you need. It's different for everyone. Personally, I need eight to nine. Some people function on six. Everyone is different. All that matters is that your body gets the sleep it needs. Get your sleep in order, and I promise you will see a huge boost in mood, productivity, and achievement. The science speaks for itself on this one. Sleep deprivation kills you faster than smoking. That is a scientific fact. Sunlight and movement. People seem to forget that human beings are animals, and animals are designed to roam free in the wild. We are meant to soak up the sun and move. Sunlight has all sorts of benefits when it comes to hormonal regulation. I'm not going to list them, but it's besides the point of this course. But it's not hard to spend 30 minutes in the sun and to observe just how much better you feel. It is like injecting happiness into your veins. The tragedy of modern life is that staying locked indoors in some dark little room is almost encouraged. I am writing this at a time of the COVID-19 pandemic, where everybody is locked down and afraid to go outside. What people fail to understand is that sunlight and movement actually improves your immune system, above all other things. Get sick less often. Feel better. Live longer. There's literally no downside. Getting some sunlight in on a short walk every day will positively affect all other aspects of your life. You need to be doing this, even if your goals have nothing to do with physical activity. Whole foods. If it didn't come directly from the earth, you shouldn't be eating it. Sounds like common sense, but most people spend their days eating lab-grown sludge. Spending an extra 15 minutes to cook or prepare a meal for yourself isn't a waste of time. Maybe you spend an extra 15 minutes, but you save yourself from feeling miserable for the next 12 hours. Processed sugars and garbage junk food have been shown to destroy your gut health, ruin your mood, and impair your thinking. No matter what your goal is, physical, mental, or creative, processed foods are going to seriously damage your progress. Start slowly and don't overwhelm yourself. Start by replacing sugary sweets with the fruit instead. 
If you like ordering pizza, learn how to make your own with fresh ingredients. It's not hard, and it tastes amazing. You'll be healthier, feel better, learn a new skill, and your mind and body will be in the necessary shape for you to achieve your goals. Number five, stop being afraid of failure. From this day on, failure is your new best friend. The reason a lot of people stay stuck in life is because they're deathly afraid of failing. They don't understand that improvement is impossible without failure. They don't understand that you need to take one step back in order to take two steps forward. They don't understand that the master has failed more times than the beginner has even tried. Right now, you are a spectator in your own life. You are watching people more successful than you thrive. You live vicariously through celebrities and influencers through social media and television. You need to switch your mindset from being a consumer to a producer. And being productive, much like your first time doing anything, will be difficult and you will fail. That's okay. Do you think your favorite athletes came out of the womb being good at their sport? These guys messed up over and over again to get where they are. The only way to become perfect is to fuck up in every conceivable way possible so you know what not to do. That is the path to perfection. It's not luck. It's not talent. And it won't fall into your lap from the sky. You just need to keep trying and failing over and over again until you succeed. Every failure is a lesson on what you shouldn't do in the future. Every failure brings you one step closer to your goal. By failing, you are essentially checking a box that says, I will never make that mistake again, because next time I'll try something different. To conclude this section, on the next page, you will find a collection of exercises that will help you avoid these common pitfalls. Exercises. Pick a small sub-goal and accomplish it without telling anybody. For example, if you want to get fit, make your sub-goal following my routine for a week without skipping a single day. If you want to quit smoking, make your sub-goal cutting my smoking in half or going three days without a cigarette. Don't overcomplicate it. Just pick something small to move you in the right direction. Start pursuing your goal without doing any research on it. Don't paralyze yourself by overwhelming yourself with information. Learn from your mistakes and consult the Internet only when you're stuck, not before you start. From now on, you will blame yourself for your failures and praise yourself for your successes. Make health a priority, even if it's tangential to your goal. Make some small changes to your daily routine, like taking your coffee without sugar, going to sleep an hour earlier, or taking a 30-minute walk while listening to an audiobook. Fail at something on purpose. It's going to suck. See it as a learning opportunity. Get comfortable with this feeling, and one day you're going to start to love it. A word on addiction. Some things are easier to do than others. Most people would have a much easier time quitting biting their nails than quitting heroin. If you're struggling with drug addiction, I highly encourage you to seek external help, whether it's meetings, group therapy, or something else. This could be part of the accountability portion of your goal. While strategies in this book will help to a certain degree, serious drug addiction can be a thing that requires serious intervention from a professional. That being said, I'm going to offer you a few ideas on why addiction happens 
and what you can do about it. The first thing to understand is that most people develop addictions because they're trying to escape. Whether it's video games, drinking, or hard drugs, everyone is consuming something because it makes them feel a certain way. And feeling that way helps them run away from their problems. Is your marriage struggling? Are you stressed because of work? Are you living with the burden of regret from something that happened years ago? I highly encourage you to be more emotionally vulnerable with yourself and identify what exactly it is that you're trying to escape from. Maybe you had a traumatic childhood. Maybe you had a horrible breakup that you never got over. Maybe you haven't had closure from an argument with a loved one. It could even be a minor problem. Maybe someone canceled plans with you a couple of days ago and it's lurking at the back of your mind. The point is, being aware of what's bothering you and what it is you're trying to run away and hide from will make it a million times easier to let go of your addictions. It's impossible to solve a problem if you don't even know what the problem is. And if you don't know what the problem is, you're ultimately treating symptoms instead of causes. It's like putting a Band-Aid on a large gaping wound. It doesn't really help. This is why most addicts tend to relapse. They never treat the true root cause of the problem, and the problem keeps popping up for the rest of their lives because its source is invisible to them. That is my advice to you. Treat the causes of your problems, not the symptoms. This is where therapy can really come in handy. A therapist is trained to help you figure out where your emotional blind spots are. Consider seeking professional help, especially if you're involved in heavy substance abuse. Confronting your demons doesn't make you weak. It makes you strong. This is also why I mentioned earlier that some of the most disciplined people are ex-drug addicts, gamblers, etc. They tapped into the negative energy and turned it into something positive. Instead of destroying yourself, use your anger from your troubled past to destroy the weights at the gym. Use it as fuel for you to prove to yourself that you are capable of great things. The other thing I wanted to mention is that misery loves company. Being entangled in an addiction with friends and loved ones makes it much, much harder to let go of. Whether you play video games together until 4 in the morning or binge drink to blackout together at parties on a regular basis. The reason this makes it so much harder to let go of your addiction is because you're receiving positive reinforcement for your bad habits from the people you care the most about. All my friends are doing it, and they're doing just fine, so it must be okay. The truth is, your friends are not doing fine. Most likely, they're suffering just as deeply as you are. The only two ways around it are really, one, distance yourself from the people who encourage these behaviors. If they continue to pressure you into doing things you know are bad for you, maybe it's time to look for new friends. It's not worth keeping people around who don't want the best for you. Two, start the conversation. Sit down with them and ask, why are you doing this? Is this normal behavior? Where did we go wrong? If they're receptive to opening up and sharing their struggles with you, it can be a really good opportunity to heal as a group, not just as an individual. Either way, this is your chance to take a big step forward in life. Either you burn your bridges with relationships that aren't worth keeping, or you improve the lives of the people closest to you. Don't let others drag you down. Lift them up instead. Don't be pushy, either. Offer your hand, but don't force them to take it. It's easiest to persuade people when they want to change. The easiest way to lead by example. 
Show them the way with your actions, not your words. Maybe you're getting in better shape or improving your income or learning new skills. People are going to notice when your life starts getting better. They're going to start asking you for advice. Nothing is more persuasive than solid results. This is your opportunity to lift people up with you. Being an inspiration and a role model is one of the most noble reasons to dedicate yourself to something. Nine. Scheduling. The failure to plan is the plan to fail. Benjamin Franklin. It's time to put together everything we talked about so far. We have the theory. Now we just need the structure. You can internalize and apply every single thing you read in this book, but if you're not scheduling, things are going to fall apart. Here's what I suggest for you. Every single Sunday, spend 30 minutes or so planning the upcoming week. I don't mean rough plans like Monday I will do X, Tuesday I will do Y. I'm talking plan every single thing to the hour. Schedule your wake-up time, when you're eating breakfast, when you're taking a shower, when you plan to work or exercise or even spend leisure time. Plan everything, especially the goals you're working towards. Even if you're quitting something, introducing a rigid structure to your life makes it much less likely to relapse. In fact, developing an exercise habit will make it easier to quit smoking or eating fast food because the latter two will hinder your progress. Putting together a disciplined lifestyle is kind of like a butterfly effect. One habit leads to another, and that one may lead to two more, and so on. Working out helped me get better grades in college. Training martial arts helped me quit smoking. Eating better helped me be more creative in my day job. It's like a domino effect. Achieving things builds confidence and ability. And that confidence and ability can take you wherever else you want to go. You look at the lives of crazy disciplined people. But once you walk the road yourself, you'll realize that it's not even that hard. You'll begin to want to do all these things. Your mindset will shift from, I have to do X because I have to achieve my goal. Two, I have to do X because it's Monday. See the difference? Arranging every day into a to-do list leaves very little room for falling off the wagon. The best scheduling tool I've found that works for me is Google Calendar. It's available for free. All you need to do is to sign into your Gmail account and visit calendar.google.com. On the next page, you will find a sample schedule from one of my weeks career-related and personal activities centered for obvious reasons. You will notice that everything is color-coded. Do this as well. If you're working a 9 to 5, choose a color for work. If you're hitting the gym, pick a different color for the gym. If you're building a business on the side, pick a color different from the above too. You get the idea. It makes your schedule prettier to look at, and prettier to look at equals easier to follow. I know a lot of guys reading this are going to skip the schedule part. Do not do this. Trust me. You need a schedule. It's an absolute must. Take it from someone who used to be extremely unproductive and erratic in his personal life. It is a game changer. You can't just wing it through life. That's not how it works. Implement and internalize everything you read in this book. Start with a light schedule. Put in a couple of gym sessions or AA meetings 
or whatever you're working towards. Slowly up the ante as you get more comfortable with your new routine. In the beginning, you're going to have gaps in your schedule. Even I have gaps in mine. It's impossible to have everything filled unless you're a robot. Plus, after a while, you're going to internalize the schedule to the point where you won't feel the need to write down when you're eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner. However, you should still aim for filling every hour of the day. It's not realistic, but you should at least have the main hours of the day covered. I will leave you with one last word of caution. Don't try to do everything at once. Burning out is one of the easiest ways to sabotage yourself on your journey. I know it's exciting, and I know you want to do everything right now. That's motivation, and that's an emotion that will go away eventually. Start slow. Don't start with doing three-hour workouts six times a week. Start with 30-minute workouts three times a week. Build up to where you want to be. Contrary to what you may think, there really is no rush, especially if you're young. Take some time to build small, solid habits. Once you've got the basics down, add on to them. If you can do something for five minutes a day, move on to 10 minutes. Make it a part of your daily routine. Make it such a normal part of your life that you'll feel weird about not doing it, like brushing your teeth. Exercise. Schedule the upcoming week using Google Calendar as seen on page 66. Ten. Closing thoughts. Congratulations on making it this far. You have succeeded in taking the first step toward your self-improvement journey, and that is arming yourself with information. You really do not need to do anything else except start. One suggestion I would make is to read this book a second time through and take careful notes. As you're going along, try to envision your goal. Take note of which strategies will help you achieve your goal. Have your list of benefits readily available at all times. Build a schedule that is in line with your goal. Execute ruthlessly. Don't start tomorrow. Start today, even if it's something small. That's really all there is to it. As you're working towards your goal, you may sure to make sure to arm yourself with the wealth of information available to you on the Internet. If you're planning to build muscle, pick a reputable program, learn all the exercises, and stick to it. Building muscle isn't a mystery. Science has discovered basically everything there is to know about it, and all that information is available online. The only thing stopping you is what you do, not what you know. If you're trying to quit smoking or porn or anything else, keep arming yourself with knowledge on why that thing is bad for you. Frequent forums and discussion boards, knowledge is power in this domain. The more knowledge you're armed with, the lower your risk of relapse. You need, more, you need your knowledge to outweigh your emotions. Remember our strategy. We turn emotions into logic. Logic always trumps emotion long term. Emotions fluctuate. Logic is eternal. If you're planning to learn a skill like coding or speaking a foreign language, Spend an afternoon collecting resources and optimal learning strategies so that you don't waste time making your journey more difficult than it needs to be. And the list goes on. Do the above. Build a solid plan and schedule. Make sure to avoid the common pitfalls and you'll be golden. 
your life will be unrecognizable in 30 days. Lastly, I want to give you a big thank you for purchasing this course. I look forward to hearing from you. Don't hesitate to email me at MasculineSoulBlog at gmail.com or send me a DM on Twitter at MasculineSoul if you have any questions, concerns, or simply want to leave some feedback. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to rate it five stars in your Gumroad library, seen below. Do the exercises, internalize the strategies, schedule your next month, week by week. It may even be worth going over the course again in a couple of weeks to make sure you've internalized the ironclad discipline lifestyle. Lastly, if you want to say something nice about this book publicly on Twitter, tag me or send me a DM of your treat, and I will happily retreat you in front of my growing audience of over 40,000 followers. Talk soon. MS.